0: What happens when you read a story in scripture and it sounds a little funny, like you're reading something through this 21st century viewpoint, this worldview, and because of the context, because of your framework, something sounds a little off.
1: First Samuel 18 actually tells us a story that's like what you're describing, where we're hearing about King David and his best friend, his
0: BFF. His boy. His boy for life, Jonathan. Yes. But unfortunately, this uh, story, this relationship often gets taken out of context. Mm. And what happens is this leads people to misunderstand the Christian faith, to to really read their cultural understanding into the Bible, which can lead them to misunderstand the scriptural context itself.
1: Yeah. And we've been moving through this series um, called Misunderstood, Mm -hmm. where we've mostly been centering on scriptures like specific verses, verses but yeah. in this episode we're not just going to look at a couple of verses we're going to look at a relationship in scripture that gets misunderstood
0: yep so um were david and jonathan more than just friends let's talk about it
1: You're listening to the Nick Smith podcast, real life, no myth, where we talk about myths and misunderstandings surrounding life, race,
0: faith, and culture.
1: If you'd like to support the Nick Smith podcast, rate us on iTunes, or you can give through our Patreon. And don't forget to share this on social media so that all of your friends can know what you're
0: listening to. Hey, we are your hosts, Nick Smith
1: and Kylie Jo Smith. And today we are talking all about... David and Jonathan. Those, we're not, we're not gossiping
0: about two people we that we know. We about them back. But we gotta, we gotta talk about them. Dave and John, we gonna tell you about their life, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But before we do, we need to give a shout out to our inner circle. So inner circle, Woo-woo. shout out. That's what that was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give a shout if you're in the inner circle. And if you don't don't
0: know what the inner circle is, uh, stick around because we're going to talk about it a little bit later and tell you how you can uh, become a part of it. Yes. Yes. Let's dive in.
1: Okay. So we've been talking a lot in this series about context. Yes. Content Mm -hmm. without context leads to confusion.
0: Confusion. Yes. And uh, we've been saying that a lot because we want to drum it into your psyche. That uh, you have to know context. Context this is me drumming so, it into your psyche. Take that. I think you should drum it in with a little more like soul, like drum it in your psyche. <laughs> That's all I have. That's all I got. Um, that so, we're gonna talk about the story between um, Jonathan and David because this is a story that is probably one of the most controversial relationships. And I mean, you even have a story in the scripture about someone marrying a prostitute. Um, and then she run off and be still prostitute herself. And
1: that one doesn't seem to get nearly as much attention yeah, this as David and Jonathan. Does.
0: So yeah. there's many references to David and Jonathan throughout like 1st uh, and 2nd Samuel through mm-hmm. uh, the kings, 1st and 2nd Kings. But the verses we're going to focus on or look at right now is um, Saul, not Saul, Samuel, 1st Samuel 18. Other king. <laughs> <laughs> starting in verse 1. I'm just going to read the section and then we're going to dive into it. So starting in verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was successful, Was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and saw officer as well. And it goes on to talk more about how David was a rock star and was like chopping people up and winning battles and all that. You know I mean, pretty manly
1: stuff. Yes.
0: So, um, this relationship, there's other passages and I didn't have them pulled up, but where it says, um, David loved, Sam, David loved Jonathan. Um, the love that, hold on, let me word it right. The love that they had for each other was greater than any love they had for a woman. Mm. so that love along with this one about them being knit or or being um like bonded together. together their souls were were joined like people read this and they immediately start to think what what do they think they think they were more than friends
1: they weren't just a friend <laughs> he wasn't just a friend
0: r.i.p. Bismarcky yes. um so there's this thought that we read this and we say because of our cultural context we're saying wait Two men saying they love each other more than they love women, um, more than the love that they have for a woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two men saying that their souls are connected Two men who make a covenant Mm. together to be like there for each other. Like with our
1: 21st century lens. That's like, oh,
0: that sounds like a marriage. Oh, yeah.
1: They they were they were together
0: like they were they
1: weren't just boys.
0: They were like (laughs) it was men. They
1: were men together. (laughs) They were knit together.
0: But that would be a flaw in logic because yes. if you read this and you immediately think that Jonathan and David were in some sort of romantic relationship, uh, then what you're doing is you're reading the context of scripture. You're reading the, the content of scripture with your modern context. Mm. And so what you're doing is you're, you're eisegeting. You're, you're not um, going into the text, seeking what the text actually has to say to you. You're going to it, and as soon as it says something, you're like, "Oh, well, I know what that means based on my experience." Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and put my my worldview, and then read the the scripture through mm, that lens and
1: reinterpret yes. the information I'm given based on a bias, even. Yes. Like based on like, is we have a bias according to a modern the culture? Day bias. Yeah, the yeah. culture that we. And that's not saying that it's a it's a negative bias. It's saying I have a bias based on what I've lived, what I've been taught, what I have come to believe through whatever
0: social experiences you've had what you've experienced yeah experienced at this point and so um a lot of people use this story as a justification for um the bible ordaining homosexuality Mm. because david was called a man after god's own heart and then if you read this as a romantic relationship then all of a sudden you're you're misrepresenting you're you're not understanding the context and so it leads to a misrepresentation of even Jesus and the disciples later on. Mm, yeah. um, because yeah. there, there's a lot of stories in the Bible where men show each other affection. Mm-hmm. There's even um, a story in the New Testament in the book of Mark where it talks about um, when Jesus is arrested, there's a young man following, or it might mm. be in the book of John, I can't remember, but there's a young man following him and he was just kind of in his PJs, in his tunic, um, and the guards try to seize him. And he like slipped away from them running away naked because they mm. grabbed his shirt and he, you know, weaseled his way out of it. And people were like, well, see, that also ah, goes to show wow. they had a young naked boy with them. So that meant that the, the disciples were into some freaky stuff, which
1: is it's so interesting to me that we take. First of all, backing it all the way up. The Just Bible,
0: dump it. if you're going to back it up, make I'm sure about you, to dump it.
1: The <laughs> Bible, it the it. Bible was not written in English. It's true. The Bible was written well, we have the the Old Testament, the Hebrew, like yeah. this language, and a little is, bit of Aramaic and Aramaic. This is a very old language that not every single word or phrase translates directly into English, because, of course, English is a mixture of multiple different languages. That's right. So then you're, you're basically having to translate the Hebrew through romantic languages yeah. into what we know as English today. And if depending on where you live, mm-hmm. English sounds different, looks different, whatever. And then in the New Testament, we have the Greek mm-hmm. and we have some Aramaic as well. And we mm-hmm. have references to Hebrew phraseology mm-hmm. that is translated into Hebrew. Or excuse yeah. me, translated into English. Greek oh, and yeah. then English. So when we look at these words that we have, we look at just the, the basic structure of what is being said,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we are looking at something that's been translated multiple times. And depending on which um, <clears throat> which version you're reading, you're looking at either a phrase by phrase or a word for word. Mm. And it, it's not something that we can just say, Oh, well that word to me in, in English, that word means this to me because yeah. of what I understand what I've been taught in school or what I see from the culture. So that must mean what that must be what it meant back then when yeah. they didn't have the same phraseology and wording that we have today. And they certainly didn't have the same culture yes. that we have today.
0: And that's something I wanted to, to add to that was, Uh, language has to do with a lot of stuff but the way that your your language um, is shaped is shaped by your culture so we have friends that their first language is spanish right Mm -hmm. and so they think in spanish and so when they say things it may come out different because they're trying to get this concept that they understand from their culture and they're translating it in their head to be um accessible right because language is how we access Mm -hmm. ideas and thoughts and and emotions from one person to the other. So they're trying to make this, this accessible to someone else. Um, and so a lot of times, if your native language is other, something other than English, sometimes you say phrases that people who speak English are like, what? That doesn't make sense, or that's mm-hmm. not right. Mm-hmm. And it's because you're speaking the best you can to translate. Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening here. What's happening in scripture is there's a lot of scholars, tons of scholars who have studied ancient Hebrew words and phraseology and they translated it to the best understanding how we can access mm-hmm. this world, right? But for us to read this and, and put our modern framework on it, we're taking their culture and their understanding of how people interact with the world, how God interacts with people, and we're placing our own framework around it. And we're trying mm. to make that fit. Yeah. And it doesn't. And so it's... Um, it'd Very be, colonial. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, it's, it's bigoted. It's biased toward modern modernity Mm. like it it makes it seem as though like the way that we do things is better or best well or more advanced like that's one thing that's one thing
1: that with specifically with the argument or with with the understanding that oh well this must mean that David was in this type of relationship with a man that it's really it's an arrogant mindset it's a colonial mindset to say oh well we're, we're so advanced in our understanding of human relationships we know so much about how people interact that that must be what it is. Yeah. And really, I, I think in some ways we, we're not accounting for the complexity of human emotion and yeah. affection that God has given each person. We're not, we're not giving true credence to the creation of human relationships and, and yeah. what, what they're supposed to represent. We're, we're just kind of taking it as this like base level. Yeah. Like, oh, well, it must mean that.
0: Well, you know what it reminds me of is when you're in um, elementary or middle school mm-hmm. and, uh, well, two, two ideas come. One, when you hear um, Kylie Joe come to the office, immediately everybody's like, ooh, ooh. you're in trouble. When really, if it was me, trouble. just being just being
1: real with you, if it was me, it was because I did something good. Uh-huh. Or She's I made like an, an academic excellence. Yeah, but the, everybody,
0: does, they don't care. As soon no. as you get called to the office, like, ooh.
1: And then even the person, if they know they're not in trouble, they're like,
0: what did I do? Wrong? What I do, right? Because we're, we're taking this base level, like I'm giving this much inter- information, mm-hmm. not knowing the context, and I'm going ahead and say, well, every time I get called to the office, I'm in trouble. So you got Ooh. called to the office. The other thing is uh, that it makes me think of is in that age range, uh, if one boy talks to a girl, they Ooh. like you. They like each like other. Her. They're Must date. They're her. they're gonna kiss. <gasps> is that your girlfriend? And it's like I was borrowing a pencil because I didn't have a pencil, and she was sitting next to me. But now apparently we're gonna get married. I don't understand. Like <laughs> I guess this. I'm kissing her at at, <laughs> at recess. People told me I was supposed to show up. We're up in a tree or something. K i s s i n g. Um, And so that's what it makes me think of. We get a little bit of information Mm. and based on our own personal experience, we make these huge assumptions, right? That's how content without context leads to confusion. Yeah. So what this actually means, we're going to jump into in a second. We're going to get into some word study. We're going to talk about um, the context of love in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But before we do, here's what y'all need to do. You need to go ahead and like this, subscribe. You need to share this. Um, If this is interesting at all to you. Um, continue listening, tap in and mm-hmm. let somebody else know about what we've done. Yeah. Um yeah. so f- first I want to tell you and I, I'm gonna just say this real quick. Okay. Um, y'all are hypersexualized. And I know anyone that's listening to this is like, I'm not hyper but you are because we're steeped in a culture that is hypersexualized. So yes,
1: everything and and this isn't just like we're not just speaking about an age
0: group or even a no. generation anyone alive today.
1: Like this is something, and especially in, I I can't even say it's just an American thing because I think it speaks to multiple cultures and it speaks across those geographical divides that we, that we, that we make Um, that when we see a young woman dressed a certain way, Mm -hmm. we, there tends to be this presumption or assumption, however you want to say it, Mm -hmm. that there's something, something sexual about this woman. We sexualize the woman. Instead of looking at, oh, wow, she, she's wearing these clothes. She must like those clothes. Yeah. Or we see a man with his shirt up. I want to tell you, growing up, it was very difficult to see a man on television with his shirt off and not automatically think about how I could evaluate his attractiveness. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was hard to see men in any type of uniform because, well, oh, I love a man in uniform. Why do you love a man in uniform? Well, let's talk about what you're insinuating here. Mm-hmm. And like all of these things that feed into... And it's very slow and it's very small at first, but then you build up years of that to where suddenly we're questioning everything we do to where we get a a Christian culture Mm -hmm. where a man cannot even speak to a woman because somehow that's sexual. I can't even talk to a person of the opposite sex because, well, I don't want anybody to think anything. You can't say hi. You can't like, because we're so hyper sexualized that anything we do or say is charged with sexual prowess and sexual tension like, and tension. energy yeah. yeah
0: and there's uh, a lot of this came um came up recently with the olympics um mm. and the uniform situation yep. where the the beach handball i think it was the women's beach handball team didn't want to wear the bikini bottoms they wanted to wear shorts <clears throat> and the whoever was like no we need to see both cheeks like that's how you play the game i need, I need to, to see, to see the, the booty or nothing voluptuousness at all Otherwise you're cheating how, at the yeah, game. How am
1: I going to evaluate your sportsmanship and your <laughs> athleticism if I can't see
0: your butt? I don't, I don't get it, but then no the other dudes, sport. And then the dudes are like, can we do that? They're like, no, please cover that up. <laughs> we need you. Le- Actually, That's if you wear pants, that would be dope. Um, if you wear a sweater, <laughs> I don't even want you to be shirtless. Just a sweater and a, let me just a Three-piece whole park. suits or nothing. Don't compete. That's all I'm saying. Um, and so uh, this hypersexualization, we see it pop up in culture a lot. We see yeah. the oversexualization of children. We like just understand that when you read something and your first thought is like, "Oh, what was they doing? How can
1: I can to make this sexual
0: understand that it's not the text it's it's this it's the heart that's been hypersexualized, and so mm. we have to know that we're not reading um an account that has anything to do with a, a sexual or a romantic mm-hmm. uh, relationship
1: and and I'll say this much in the Bible, you will know if that's oh, yeah. what it is. I'll tell you and if you don't if you haven't read the old testament you haven't Really consider the the stories that are in there and how like yeah, God is very specific when we're talking about sex yeah he's like listen and he we even get to hear about conception of people mm-hmm. that's how we know that sex
0: matters to God because yeah. he knew his wife and then she had a baby and or, even and depending on how you read it and he went into her so
1: if God <laughs> Sorry, is I, to, I mean like that's
0: a little personal if God is Lord? going to be that
1: specific yeah with. Describing and and showing us and even giving us a whole entire book of like basically a husband and a wife getting down. Yeah. If we're gonna get that entire that's depiction, it's a song of Solomon.
0: In case you're wondering, yes.
1: <laughs> you're like, where's that in then here? Why why would it not be present in this if that's what it's
0: about? That's yes. that's my
1: question. Is like we can look at what's there. We can also say, well, wait, let's let's consider what's not there.
0: Yes, which <laughs> is very important when you're reading scripture, right? When you're reading something and you're you're insinuating something, like you're like, oh, this says this. And so that must mean that this happened unless you know that historical time period well enough to be like, oh, they're at a wedding. So the, the jars were used for this reason. Thank you. Even though it didn't specifically say, yeah, and everybody already washed their hands. You just assume there's a lot of people there. It's dirty water. Yeah. Or it was a dirty jar, at least because <laughs> Jesus filled it up with clean water. But anyway, um, like unless you have that cultural understanding, you can't come to it with an insinuation of like, oh, wait, this happened and this happened. We all read between the lines. No, because if God wants you to know it, he's going to say it. He's going to be like, this is what's happening. He'll put something between the lines if he wants you to read it. Exactly. (laughs) And so um, nine times out of 10, what you're reading in scripture, like you're getting the information that you need without having to insinuate a lot. Yeah. Um, And the other things that you do have to understand are always culturally appropriate things that help you understand context. Right. Mm. So when you're bringing information, when you have to bring external information into a a biblical story, it's never like I'm going to bring external from my own experience. Be like, oh, that must mean what that. Or must be what that means. Mm. It's like I don't understand why um, this person had a, a concubine. So I have to now understand what's the cultural reason for a, what concubine? Is a concubine. What yeah. is? So that's that's what I mean by bringing external information to it. Yeah, is trying to figure out what the the cultural context is. Yeah, and so um, what that's this good. scripture is about mm-hmm. is about brotherly love. It's about these two were. Basically, uh brothers from another mother. Like they were brother friends. They they were brothers Like they were brothers, Yeah, they were best friends. They were like in in the hood. Like we have our friends. We just call family. Like oh, that's my cousin. Oh, really? So his mom's your aunt? Actually, we're not related at all. But that's my cousin. Like we're we're family. That's how close. Which we, we are.
1: know, folks that don't do this, we know it's confusing. <laughs> we know you. You're like I know that some people. I thought you all looked alike, but. No, I don't Cause quite. Because there's a random there's a,
0: dude. You're calling your brother. That's
1: why it's okay to be confused, but that that is something that yeah. culturally happens, and we even have like you'll have family friends. That's another way of understanding. Oh, that's my you know my mom and and her mom grew up together, so we're basically like sisters. Yeah, that's I that's call what her we're Aunt
0: Martha, for. even though we're not related. Exactly. Yes. Yes. yes, and so that's what we're dealing with here is a relationship where two people they they're so connected, they're so on point, mm-hmm. and they see the struggle that the, that each one is dealing with. That they're like. Like you're my brother, like you're yeah. the one I have that has my back no matter what. Yeah. And so we have to understand uh, culturally um, this is more common in in cultures where masculinity isn't toxic. And Come I on. I don't mean to like I'm not pulling any um, like political cards here, but there is this image of masculinity that we have accepted that just says man has to be rugged, individual, distant, aloof, stoic, never show emotion, carry everything on his back. And like that's manhood. And other cultures don't have that. No,
1: right? even to this day. Like yeah. we, we, we can look at it and say, oh, well, maybe that's just men in the Bible times. No, there are cultures today where men holding hands. Yeah. Men putting their sexualized. arms around. It's not so many people men look kissing out go, each other on the lips. Oh, wow. That they must be. I mean, it's a real thing. You can, you can look this up. You can go, okay, are there cultures where men are affectionate towards one another and it's not sexual or it's not assumed that at some point it's going to become sexual Exactly. where they have such a love for one another. And we'll talk about the language of that love, that 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 deep soul connection, but it's not something people have to question because culturally they understand the value of it. And that's something that I think our emotions, and I'm actually reading this in a book right now, our emotions do reveal to us what we truly value and what we believe yeah. about certain things.
0: Yeah, and if, if you're dealing with that, like, I, I would never, I mean, personally, I'm not going to go kiss another dude on the lips. Like, that's just my personal conviction, the way I grew up, my <clears> culture, <throat> my understanding. But that doesn't mean if I see two dudes who are part of a different culture kiss each other on the lips, I'm immediately be like, oh, they must be husband and husband. No, I don't know what they're doing. That's not my culture. Like that's, that's on them. Um, but let's talk about the words for love, right? Yes. If you haven't caught it, go back and check our series on, uh, the, the words for love in the new Testament. We go through the different types of love and, and how they're manifest Mm -hmm. in scripture. Yeah. Um, but what we're dealing with in the old Testament is the word Ahav here. Um, and the word ahav is Is that a like,
1: ahav? Do you have to say it like that? It's uh, Don't you I gotta have look to? It up.
0: I don't think it's a kha. I, okay. I think okay. I just ahav. want to test your, you know, seminary well, knowledge. The v at the end could be a also, so it depends. Oh. Ah. Hab or ahav. Anyway, a twist. It's, it, it's different. <laughs> There's the root. Aha. Ahav. Bah, <laughs> um, it's the second most used term for love in the Old Testament, mm. um, besides um hased, which hased, you do have hased. that hased. Um, Hased is the, uh, everlasting love of God. It's the, the love of like, we, we translate in the new Testament, the agape. agape. So hased is like God's unchanging love, his, mm. his never ending love, his like selfless love. Right. Okay. So that's used a lot in the old Testament. And then it's, then it's aha, ahab. aha, 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 um, and the way that is used is it's generally used to describe um, familial love or like a love between um, like a heart connection love. So like in the story of like kindred spirits, kind of. Yeah. Okay. So like in the story of Abraham and Isaac, okay. it says when he, uh, <clears throat> when God tells him to sacrifice his only lo- beloved son, it's oh, this word, ahav beloved. Okay. Yeah. It's like the, the son whom, in whom you like the son, whom you love is this word. Ahav. Oh, okay. um, when it talks about Rachel and Leah and Jacob, right. When it says that, Jacob loved Rachel, but he hated Leah. Ah, okay. It's it's this word, ahav, for loving Rachel. Because it wasn't like they used the word to mean... um, Romantic love. He loved Rachel. Well,
1: because and it's because, though, Jacob slept with both Leah and Rachel. And actually, Leah first. Yeah, so it's a distinction. It's a distinguishing, like, no, look, he... Yeah, he did this thing with both of them. Yeah, they got kids from both of them. But this is the one that he actually, like felt connected to that was yes. there was an affection here for her as opposed to which I always thought it was crazy he talked about hating yeah Leah I was like dang but if you look at it the compare again the, it's the comparative the, the language Comparative language. it's not oh he hated her guts and he wanted her dead it's like compared to the affection that he had for her this was hate
0: yeah which we see in the New Testament also even, about even like Jacob I
1: loved and Esau
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. so um, this word have that we see it's different from the word to, to know someone sexually or romantically. That Just word is yada, yada or dode, either one. Oh, okay. So yada is to know, dode is to sexually love. Which is the same,
1: like, yada is what God used. It's, it's what the, the text uses to describe Adam and Eve together.
0: Yeah. Th- that he knew her. That they knew each they knew other. Each other. Yeah, yeah. When you say someone biblically knows, they're talking about yada. Yeah. But when you're talking about, like, um, a lustful or a, a, a physical love, it's normally dode. And so that that image, like if that was what they meant, they would have said that. Yeah, because the he like the Hebrew culture wouldn't have been like,
1: let's uh, let's give him a little, like, let's give him something to talk about. Let's let's say it's one thing,
0: but <laughs> let's give them something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they would have it would have been very clear. And also because of this is David, like this yeah. is a man after God's own heart. This is someone who talked so much about the law and his love for God's law. Yeah. There are specific things in God's law that uh, adultery is yeah. in there and it's like, it's not really good. Like it's yeah, kind of a stoned. bad thing for David to enter into this and for it to be recorded in the text that King David,
0: mm-hmm.
1: your boy, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is to God, your boy uh-huh. is out here committing dode
0: uh-huh.
1: with some dude, <laughs> dude, 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 dude. Did he commit the dude? Right. And for there to be no, like no, no further reference to that in, te- yeah. in the, in the text itself is like, this is a big question mark that biblical scholars would be like, oh, well, wait, like,
0: yeah, be, how do how do we account for this? Because it's not like scripture doesn't talk about when people mess up. Like we see that over and over. And so I mean, when, David, when David slept with Bathsheba and had her husband killed uh, when he pretty much, you know, raped Rape her. It. And then And he didn't protect his daughter and yeah, all those other things, he all did. this stuff. <laughs> but it says like, hey, David raped this woman and now there's consequences. Um, if David was in a extramarital mm-hmm. uh, relationship, sexual mm-hmm. relationship Scripture would have been like, yeah, that's not what we're about because yeah. the context of all of Scripture says that that's not what we're about.
1: Yeah. And also at the same time, because I can already hear the counter argument. If a romantic relationship mm-hmm. between David and Jonathan was something that was meant to be communicated as this is this is actually true and good. And this is what this is m- meant to communicate. Yeah. That would also be plainly explained. Yeah. That would be something that would, have to guess. They would not leave that open to. False interpretation. This is something yeah. that we forget about scripture: is that there was a need for things to be conveyed through language. That's right. They wouldn't have wanted to leave it as, oh, let's just kind of leave it a gray area, People like open for interpretation. So that in you know the two thousands and beyond, they'll they'll start to really like go with this theory. <laughs> they didn't. That wasn't the intent of yeah, this story. It's not how the Lord does it. It's not how. It's not how my God works. Uh,
0: so you have to understand when you're reading it, like there's there's this understanding that God um, wanted us to know that the men in these relations in this relationship, uh, David and Jonathan, that there was a deep, um, commitment to, to serving, to loving the other as a brother and to protect. Mm-hmm. And we see later on after Jonathan dies that, um, David even takes care of Jonathan's son. Like, mm-hmm. like you would, if your best friend died and their son was an orphan, you'd be like, Hey, come eat at my table. Like, yeah, you're, you, you're with us now. You're one of ours. Mm-hmm. And so we see that happen in this, and we never see anything referencing to be like, well, they were lovers. There it is, no. and and that's that's not again. That's taking your 21st century context mm-hmm. and then reading the Old Testament through that.
1: Yeah, I think that that context that that eisegesis shoots us in the foot because, <laughs> bam, ah, my toe. Um, no, but it really does <laughs> because effect, you've babe. got you've got one of two arguments. It goes one of two ways. This is um, telling us that this type of relationship, this romantic relationship is ordained by God is telling mm-hmm. us one thing, which we see from the, the whole, what is it? The, the plenary scriptures, that there's, there's no backing for that. Yeah. And even historically, contextually, culturally from the idiomatic expressions, there's no mm-hmm. backing for that truly. Yeah. Um, but there's also this idea that, oh, well, it must've been okay for David to have extramarital relations. This must be, that must mean like um, things like uh, blatant polygamy and mm-hmm. multiple partners. Those things don't matter to God. Well, that's also wrong because we see, again, from the plenary scripture and the understanding of who was writing it, who they're writing it to and what it's meant to communicate. That's not true. And so either yeah. way, this understanding of like, well, I think this is what culture tells me. And this is what mm-hmm. my friends tell me. This is what certain books have told me that I should read this as. It shoots you in the foot. It kind yeah. of paralyzes you from, again, being able to read anything in scripture without hypersexualizing any relationship between two people That's right. or three people or four. Cause I've, I, I tell you, I told, I was telling Nick,
0: listen, we were talking, we talked,
1: I was talking to this guy. Um, I read a, a blog. I'll call it that. I think it was, Obviously, it was, um, blogs. it was framed as an article, but I don't really know that it was. Um, but somebody was basically arguing for, um, sexual relationships between, um, Jacob's wives and,
0: was uh, it Jacob's wives or Abraham's wives? Abraham's
1: yeah. wives. Excuse me. Abraham's wives. Um, and all of these things, and they had all of this stuff and all of the references to why this was true. Guess where they came from? Not the Bible. They came from, oh, well, this understanding of this. And you know, there are some texts who say, and all of these outside things Mm -hmm. that I'm going to take, and I'm going to just mix it up in my little pie here. And I'm going to take a bite and I'm going to say, that's what this means. Oh, that, that tastes good. If I put enough sugar on it, (laughs) it tastes good. And unfortunately, when we do that, again, it paralyzes us from being able to read the scriptures for the sanctification and for the understanding of uh, the Christian believer. And so yeah, I, just wanna, I just want to, I just want to have to say that we can't over over read into what this text is saying to us. Yeah, that's
0: good. Now, um, you know, somebody that needs to hear this, you know, somebody who's been asking you questions about how sh- they should read the Bible. And or what it's, is-
1: or it's the question. Well, what about John, Jonathan, David, yeah, send, well, this I to I him. I send it I to I him. I I him. I
0: Tell him, go ahead. Like, listen, I ain't finna argue with you. Listen to the Nick Smith podcast. They'll argue with you. Um, <laughs> we will not argue. We with you. will not argue. If you with comment, you. we will just let it be. <laughs> Disclaimer: We will not argue with you. Um, but please share this with somebody before we get into practicality. Yes. So, uh, what practices we got?
1: Okay. Well, we've been saying it. We can't say it enough. Context. Context. Okay. Buzzwords and like pseudo pop psychology. It does this. It fights to justify. Hedonism, which is mm-hmm. pleasure-seeking, yeah. and uh, this relative normality. But Scripture doesn't have to fight and argue. No. Scripture doesn't have to pull from other sources. Scripture reads and interprets Scripture itself. It does. And it stands to teach truth, love, freedom and Christ. That, yes. That's what Scripture does. So context. Yes. You don't. Now, I'm not going to say you don't need um, wiser Christians or maybe a, a biblical scholar to help you to understand what the text is. You may need that. But as yeah. far as interpreting what it means itself,
0: scripture interprets scripture. And yeah. it is the best teacher, really. There's um something that Francis Chan says in a couple of his books. Actually, he says, if you were to pick up with the, the scripture and read it just that, without taking into context what other people have said about it, what mm. if you just read scripture, would you still come to the same context <clears throat> or conclusion that you're coming to? Wow. Based on what other people have told you. So, so hard. That's context. Read and again, scripture interpreting scripture means that all of scripture agrees. With itself. Mm-hmm. So if you find something that, that's a disjunct, you have to come to terms with, okay, that's me misunderstanding. How do mm-hmm. these two things actually identify? Yeah. Um, but okay, the second thing, you got to know the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Exit but, Jesus? <laughs> exit Jesus and eisegesis. did. Jesus. It's called an ascension. <laughs> <laughs> so exegesis is when you are um, reading scripture and you are searching the scriptures to discover the truth that it's trying to pour out, right? So when you're reading, you're like, wow, this says this. But I'm not going to guess or I'm not going to presume what that means. I'm going to read and I'm going to try to figure, like the Bereans did, I'm going to scour the scriptures to be like, okay, what does that truly mean? And, For what, my life. And yeah. Well, no, not yet. What do oh. these people, how, do, how does the story understand mm-hmm. what I'm reading? Mm-hmm. And how would the first readers <laughs> have understood this? And now that I understand what they would have understood, how do I apply that understanding to my life? Understand, that, understand. That's understand. exegesis. <laughs> um, eisegesis is coming to your your Bible with all of your worldview, all of your presuppositions, all of your assumptions about life, and then when you read something, you're you're checking it with your own self instead mm. of with the context. Right? So, like,
1: how can I justify my anger? Yeah, or, or my relationship? Yes. So, in like, the if Bible,
0: you're, if you're reading something, say you're reading. Um, Solomon, right? And mm-hmm. Solomon is—you're talking about or you reading all this stuff about all his wives? And you're like, see, I knew it was okay for me to have multiple women on the side. Like, no, that's not what this—that's yeah. you and That's you taking your own stuff and finding it in scripture. That's not what they're saying. Mm. And so you have to be careful of that because when you isogean, when you're actually um, trying to prove your point of view through scripture. You're doing a great disservice to scripture and you're Mm. damaging the people listening to you. Yeah. Um, You're misshaping your own soul. Like you're Mm. misforming um, who you are in Christ because you're not in Christ. Yeah. You're, you're justifying your own God, which is yourself by looking through this book and saying, see, this says it's okay for me to worship me. And, and that's, that's all sorts of wrong. You just, that, that's a word. It's a couple. I'm hearing that. I'm like, oh my. Because that's, that's how, that's how foul eisegesis is. Yeah. And so we have to be careful when we're reading scripture that we're not going to scripture and being like, all right, this says this. Well, I think it means this other thing. So I'm going to just say what I think it means. Yeah. Well, how do you know? Have you read all of scripture? Have you read through that context? How do you know that's what that means? Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody like you can have an opinion, but you cannot have an uninformed opinion. Mm. Right. If your opinion is just based on who you are, and like I don't, I don't care what you have to say about scripture. But if your your biblical opinion, your scholarly opinion is based on a, a deep study of the historical and cultural context of scripture, okay, we'll hear it. Yeah. So exegesis yeah. versus eisegesis You have to know the difference between those yeah. two. And
1: I think knowing whether or not you're exegeting or isegeting it, it goes back to when you sit down to read the word. Um, going back to the the comment I made about emotions, mm-hmm. um, how you feel about scripture. Is not truth. Ooh. It will tell you the truth about what you believe. Now I'm going to say it again. Say it How again. you feel about
0: scripture. Okay, your feelings. Your feelings are not truth. Are not the truth.
1: But they will reveal to
0: you the uh-huh. truth
1: about what you truly believe.
0: But your feelings are going to show you what you actually believe. What you value.
1: So when I read it and I okay. read, let's say I'm reading, I'm I mean, you. one of those common things people reference. The Ten Commandments. Yep. If I read in there, thou shalt not lie. Mm-hmm. Man, I've been. I've told lies. I've, I've, you know, deceived people. I've, I've hidden things. I've kind of done that whole like I won't tell the whole truth, but I'm kind of, hugging. <laughs> you know, um, that's lying. Mm-hmm. Under the law, I, I deserve death. Yeah. Now again, this is reading it apart from uh the the whole the New Testament understanding. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading like, oh my gosh, like, but I don't like that. Like I feel some type of way about that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like I'm exempt from that because you know, the reason I, I had a reason to lie and you know what, actually in the Bible, there's a story about a guy who lied about his wife being his wife and said mm-hmm. it was his sister. I mean, he turned out great. He was like the father of many nations. I've already gone down this line and now I'm completely neglecting the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he died. His death was sufficient Come on. to wash me of the stain of my own dishonesty, but I've gotten so wrapped up in my feelings. What I actually value is being justified. Come on now. But there's, there's so much hope in that because when yeah. I, when I realize like, oh, I actually value being justified and things being fair and right and good and just, there's an answer for that. And it's found in the cross Come on, because there's Y'all, ultimate
0: justification at the cross. This is your Sunday service. If you missed church today, this is for you. This is for, if you missed church yesterday, this is for you. Um, because that is, that's so good. So I don't, I don't know. I think I, mean, I got filled up just then. I mean, so, how do you feel about it when you read the story of
1: Jonathan and David? Mm-hmm. And there's other stories we're going to go through them the rest of this series. When you read that, what are you feeling?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you feeling like okay? I feel like this just this kind of justifies what I've been doing or how I've been feeling. Okay, well, hold on. Why do you like? Let's talk about what the truth about what you truly value. Do you value sexuality that much?
0: Is that your is number that, one? Is That's your that your go-to? Is
1: that, is that where your heart is? The throne of sexuality. Then let's talk about it because. There's a solution for that and it's found in the cross and we can talk about how, but we have to start with, Hey, why do I feel this way? And what does it reveal about what I truly value?
0: Yes. And so here's what I want to say. This is the last one, Mm -hmm. right? Um, (laughs) Last thing, last last practice, last practice. You cannot disconnect yourself from the historic community of God. Mm. And so what I mean by that, I heard a, um, a young person say, why do we have to learn about dead people in history? I mean, they did stuff, but they are dead. So why do I care? Why don't we learn about people nowadays? Good question. It's not. It's a stupid question. And here's why it's stupid. Because it's, (laughs) I'm just going to be real. (laughs) It's a stupid question because it's it's so Mm. ignorant of reality. Mm, Why do I have to talk about dead people? A dead person probably is the one that built the house you live in. So why do dead people matter? Because everything that came before us came because of what other people did. And so we Mm. have to know history. We have to know the historical context. That's good. And so what happens in the Christian faith with a lot of um, young, zealous believers who get on fire by the Holy Spirit, but they lack discipleship is they want to disconnect from historical Christianity. And they want to say, I want nothing to do with that religion, that dead religion that you guys have. I'm going to, I'm going to take my context and my wisdom and the Holy Spirit that I have. And I'm going to tell you what this Bible means. Well, you know what? If you're holier than Ignatius, if you're holier than St. Thomas Aquinas, if you're holier, then than Paul, come on now, Paul, who wrote the New Testament, like you're or saying Jesus, if, yeah, you're saying <clears> you're <throat> holier than these people that spent their lives studying the word in prayer and fasting and seeking God's counsel and writing these volumes of theology. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't need that because well, I got the Holy Spirit, and
1: not just reading it,
0: but actually obeying it, Obe- living it out. The, the desert fathers, like if you don't know who they are, look them up. These people saved Christianity in the deserts of Northern Africa, saved it from annihilation because they separated themselves from the world and kept themselves pure and holy and kept the holy word of God uh, directly how it was. And so like when you disconnect yourself from historical Christianity and you start to be like, I've got a new understanding of 1 Samuel, you're an idiot. (laughs) And I'm I'm sorry that I got to say that. But I do. I have to say it because if you're not rebuked in that, (laughs) you're going to go down a path. That's how you get cults. Jim Jones, if you don't know who that is, I look him up. Jim Jones, if you heard, ever heard the phrase drinking the, drinking the Kool-Aid, it comes from they drank the Kool-Aid from Jim Jones, who not the rapper. I'm not talking about Dipset. I'm talking about Jim Jones, the dude who came up with this cult, not Tom Jones, not Tom Jones or his little brother, Jim. I don't know if he has a brother named Jim, um, but they came up with this cult because he was just like, yeah, that's what the Bible means. And I'm Jesus. And we're going to all die together. Drink this Kool-Aid, this poison. Wait, what? How'd you get that? Well, I just sat around and read the Bible myself no, we don't do that. Like, uh, and please hear me. I'm not saying that you need someone to interpret scripture for you. Like, like you don't have access to the Holy spirit, but I'm saying if 2000 years of Orthodox Christianity says a, and you by yourself in your closet, have read the Bible 15 times. And you say, B one of you is wrong. (laughs) Like I'm just going to say, give you one guess as to who 2000 years of people (laughs) studying the word faithfully have said, Hey, this is, this is what this means. And but, we have confirmation. But you
1: feel some type of way. You don't like their interpretation. And you,
0: so you're just going to be like, and, no. And
1: I will say uh, you feel some type of way and you think you can get other people to feel the same
0: way. Come on. So do not, you can't do that because theology don't, just, no (laughs) no 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 no. that's all i got that's all i have oh
1: so yes you need to be a part of what historical christianity tells us is the family of god that's right we've been grafted into this family this this adoptive son and daughtership that we have you need a bible theology rich people loving Mm christ-centered family of people around you who will hold you accountable Mm -hmm. who will say to you i'm sorry bro sis that's not what that verse means. And I'm going to yes. tell you right now, if you keep going down this path this is where you're going to go. Yep. You need people who'll be real with you straight up. We all, we love transparency right now in this culture. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's a buzz thing right now As, <laughs> While we still love transparency. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be transparent with you and say, if you don't join, you are not part of a community of people. And notice I'm not telling you what that looks like. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you don't have people in your life who are holding you to the scriptures and lifting you up and praying for you and fasting with you, You're not a part of a
0: church. You're struggling. I don't
1: care how many times you go to that building each week. Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, if you want to be a part of a a community and you're looking for that, that wasn't a commercial, but Hey, here's a (laughs) shot. Think about joining the inner circle and you can find more about that at www.patreon.com slash Nick Smith podcast. And we will, we were glad to have you as part of our group.
1: Yes, we would love it and you will love it and you will be built up and you will be, you know what? I think you'll be challenged more so than just listening to us right now. You'll really be
0: challenged in a good way. So
1: this has been the Nick Smith podcast. We hope you've gotten a dose of real life.
0: No myth. Be Be blessed. blessed.